0: following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are continuing in a series that we're doing, We Believe. How many have appreciated the teaching so far? You know, I can't quite recall all of them, but I remember what happened last week. I was, as so often happens with me, I knew I was preaching this week, and so I was sitting right there in the congregation, and, uh, you know, just during worship and while things were just unfolding, and I started getting my message for this week, and I started writing down my notes, and, you know, wouldn't you know that Renee preached every one of those points? (laughs) So... Either it's a thing that great minds think alike, or the Holy Spirit can it can get a hold of more than one person at a time. But it was so rich. It was such a rich uh, uh, teaching, and not just a teaching, an impartation on what the original intention and purpose of man is. And so this week, I've shifted just a little bit, really, I'm going to touch on a lot of the same things from a different angle, but... The the title for my message this week is Reconciled Reconcilers. In other words, those of us that have had an awakening by the Spirit and by the mercy of God into the salvation that is in Jesus Christ, this reconciling to God through Jesus Christ, it's not the end of the story for us. That there is a further step that is designed for us to take And that's to bring other people into that place of reconciliation. I love the way Renee went back to the garden. Because it's in the garden where Adam walked in the cool of the day with with God. And God walked with Adam and and they just had this thing going and they co-labored together. And the command was to be fruitful and multiply. And then take dominion. I believe that the garden was a location that was meant to be expanded over the whole face of the earth. And so when Adam and Eve fell, they were removed from the garden and there was no way back into what they had originally had. And so when we're talking about reconciliation, reconciliation, by the way, is kind of a financial term. It's what you do with your checkbook. Well, maybe some of us do. Most people don't even keep a register anymore. You know that, (laughs) it's like crazy. I don't know how they reconcile their checkbook when they don't keep a checkbook. But reconciliation is bringing the final line, the bottom line, back into union, into oneness with what, is what the bank says and what we, have say, what we say we have in our checkbook. And this bringing back into union or oneness actually has to confront some discrepancies. And that's really what is happening when we're reconciled to God. We're not just saved by the skin of our teeth. We are actually brought back into oneness and union with God in Christ Jesus. And so now we 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 live from a place of the garden of our heart <laughs> that needs to be expanded and needs to go out. Did you know you have a garden in your heart? And did you know that how we steward our hearts will affect what we dispel, what we dispense into the world around us? And so being reconciled to God in Christ Jesus is a big deal. I want to look at uh, the Apostle Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This has been one of my core messages over the last couple of years. But this is a little bit of an expanded version of it. Starting with verse 12, it says, uh, we find Paul is almost apologizing. He's not really apologizing. He knew who he was. But he's in some ways given a defense because there were other teachers who came that had flashier, shinier, happy-go-lucky messages that really didn't minister to the heart. They were something of the head. And one of the things about reconciliation, it's not just a reconciliation of the head. This is a reconciliation of the heart into the heart of God. It's just a little bit deeper than what the head sees. So he says, We do not commend ourselves again to you, but we give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you, have an, you may have an answer to those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Who boast in appearance and not in heart. That's so critical. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are of sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them. So it's interesting that Paul is making a defense of the gospel that he preached. Let's go back a couple of years where we have just had a couple thousand years of People trying to keep a law that was impossible to keep. That they approached, you know, first of all, you were not invited into the Holy of Holies. In fact, even the priests that were invited into the Holy of Holies, if they had stuff in their lives, they were facing death. This God was so holy that nobody could touch him. In fact, he demonstrated his holiness on the mountain with thundering and lightning and flashings and everybody was terrified at this God. And so the Apostle Paul comes now, and if you read Paul's writings in Romans and Corinthians, it's all about this grace message that he has. That no longer do we need to come through the sacrifices of bulls and of of, uh, sheep and oxen and all the sacrifices, that, that no longer do we find favor with God or forgiveness for sins with that. But we come by the blood of Jesus. And he almost has to, he has to defend the amount of grace that he preaches. I'll tell you, even in the church nowadays, we, we say we're delivered from the law, but much of the church, and I myself at times, have come into a Christian law rather than, you know, I've, I've traded in the Old Testament law to, for a Christian law. And it's in those times that I struggle with my walk with God. It's when I come into a revelation that It is through faith in Jesus Christ, faith in what Jesus did, I am reconciled to him. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 1, I think it's verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew, for the Gentile, all alike, that it's the power of God for salvation. What's the next verse? For the Jew and the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And uh, God's wrath on unrighteous I don't know what that is. I guess i got to read it in my Bible. <laughs> but there is this, this revelation that came to Martin Luther that ab- absolutely turned over the whole face of Christianity. And it was this simple truth. That it's no longer works. It's no longer what I can do to make myself look good. It is the transformation of the heart that comes through faith by believing. So we're preaching this month. We've been been preaching on what we believe. Can I say there's a difference between believing and faith? See, the devil, he believes that there's a God and he trembles. He has a knowledge of God and it strikes terror in his heart. There are many people that have a knowledge of God. They believe that there's a God, but they don't have a faith, this trusting, this adhering to, this clinging to, especially in the, play, in the uh, issue of our salvation. And I'm sorry, but you know, when, when many of us came to Jesus and we saw that we were sinners, that we were just absolutely apart from God, and we came into this revelation of salvation. That God chose me and it, it was by asking Jesus into my heart. And I just believe that he, he died for my sins. And we, we embrace that. Do you remember that? How many remember that day? I remember that day like it was yesterday. If I start preaching about it, my daughter will say, Dad, I've heard that story so many times. Trust me, baby, you're going to hear a lot more times. Because that's it. But I'll tell you, there have been times in my life where I have wandered from that. There's times where I thought, well, uh, you know, God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. And yes, he does have things that he wants us to do. In other words, there are ways that I need to exercise my faith with some works. But there's a twist that the enemy likes to put in there that says that when you do those works, it justifies you. And that is not true. We are justified by faith, by believing. By believing. There is no work that can save me. There is no work that can bring me any closer to God than what I am already am. So Paul, he actually was taking some hits here. What is with this guy preaching this greasy grace, this sloppy agape, right? Have <laughs> you ever been accused of that? I have been. But I can't magnify the grace of God too much. I cannot overemphasize the grace, the mercy of God. Because I know who I am, apart from the grace and mercy of God. It's scary. But he says, if we're besides ourselves, if you think I'm crazy, you know, or if we're of sound mind, it's for you. First John, John chapter three, verse one, One of the most important verses in, in, the, in the Bible, in my opinion. Says this, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. See, when we preach this message, we can't expect to be embraced by the world. Has anybody called you crazy because you believe what you believe? Have you been accused of, like, how can you believe in a God? Right now, there's a spirit in this nation that's a cynical spirit that wants to doubt anything of faith. That if you can't see, taste, touch, feel it, if you can't figure it out with your head, then it really has no scientific background. Well, I'll tell you what, the God of science, he supersedes science. And he is the one that chooses, and he is the one that imparts, and he is the one that has chosen the pathway to salvation. It doesn't make sense to the head. The message that we preach is foolishness in many ways, right? Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation. This gospel of faith, believing. But the world doesn't know us. It doesn't understand us. It doesn't get us. He goes on to say this, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we will see him as he is, this revelation of Jesus. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. The reason that's one of the most important scriptures, I feel, in, in the Bible is because people struggle with sin. They struggle with failure. Christians, how many? anybody here? You know, raise a couple of legs, a couple of arms. And the Apostle Paul deals, this is John, but the Apostle Paul too, he doesn't deal with sin according to that. He deals with sin in the person according to your nature, according to who you really are. Beloved, now you are children of God. I want to suggest to you that when we fall into sin, when we just blow it, when we, when we mess up, we've just forgotten who we are. I believe that a revelation of the love of God Behold, what kind of love is this? There's almost like an astonishment in that verse. What kind of love is this that the Father has bestowed upon us? He's lavished upon us. How many need a revelation of love? I'm going through a season right now where I need an upgrade in my understanding of the love of God. I, I just, I just, I, 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 crave it. I have to admit, I, God, I don't know your love. I don't even know that I know how to love. You ever come to the end of yourself? It hurts so good, (laughs) you know. But Paul says that this is the kind of love that has been bestowed upon you, that you're children, you're actually children of God. You're joint heirs with Christ. How saved are you? How reconciled are you if you're not just a slave, but you're brought in as a son, as a daughter? And when we have this revelation, then Christ is revealed in us. In Christ, it's an ongoing work of the Spirit. Hopefully, I have a greater understanding and revelation of Jesus now than I did 43 years ago when I first got saved. But I tell you that revelation is never about my works. It's always about the grace of God. And when I see the beauty of Jesus, when I see the goodness of God, then it goes on to say, and those who have this hope in them, they purify themselves, even as they're pure. See, we strive to try to be pure. Anybody been in that box? In that box, uh, the the place of purity is in faith in God. Susie and I were talking last night. Actually, she was just she didn't really know what I was preaching on. Kind of, she knew. But she asked me, she says, Dave, what does that scripture mean where it says, be holy as I am holy? Be holy as I am holy. Anybody? You know, you know that scripture? Anybody kind of scratch your head over that one? Be holy as I am holy? Maybe I'm the only one that knows myself, but I, you know, I, I can see that I don't always live up to the holiness of God. But this is it. By faith. You are as holy as he is, and we're going to read that. That's an astonishing statement. That's one of those statements that people look at you and say, you're crazy. How can you be as holy as he is holy? Well, the Lord showed me one time. He said, Dave, you know, when you get it right, on those days where you really get it right, where you've got all your ducks in a row, where you haven't you know kicked the dog, you haven't got angry at your wife, you haven't you know, everything is just peachy keen. He said, Dave those days you still, your righteousness is still as filthy rags. The best that I can be is compared to a menstruous rag. That, that, that's it. But Paul says this, he says, I have found a righteousness that is not of my own, but it is through faith in Jesus Christ. See, reconciliation to the heart of God comes by believing. It's by faith that we understand, that we know. And here's the deal once we understand that, we realize that we don't live for ourselves any longer. That this isn't about just me kumbayaing with the Spirit of God. That there's a love of God that comes in. When we get this revelation of who Jesus is, of the work that he did, of his invitation to us, then it compels us to tell somebody. How many of you remember, all you married people, how many of you remember when you first fell in love with your future spouse? Some of us. Were you silent about it? No? You, you told a few people, Jay Brian? You know? I, I told her. Yeah, you told her and there probably wasn't anything you wouldn't do for her, right? She'd she'd say jump over do backflips, you'd say how high and right? How many? You know. <laughs> yeah, and there's this first love. <laughs> there is an invitation to the Church of Jesus Christ right now to remember your first love. Yeah. And it's the love of Christ that compels us. It's no longer a duty. How many have served God out of duty before? I've served God out of duty. Well, I'm a Christian now, you know, and I've got this and this and this that I've got to do, and I've got to have all this stuff, and, and it's true. How many know it's wise that if you're walking with God, it's not good to live in sin? I, I, I get that. But I tell you, if it's duty by which I'm trying to stay out of sin... Rather than being compelled by love, I'm a sure failure. Because it's the love of Christ that compels me. It's the love of Christ that, that constrains me, is another word for, that's used there, that kind of has us hedged in like there's no other way. As much as we try to do on our own, as much as we try to run our race with our own strength and with our own power, we're doomed to failure. Because it has to be the love of Christ It's this love that has been lavished upon us. It's this love that has called us sons and daughters of the Most High God. Oh, you're not just part of a country club. (laughs) You're not part of some kind of a happening. You're being called as a son, as a daughter, and as Christ is revealed in you. Then this walk of purity, of walking with a whole heart towards God, becomes something that becomes a compelling force. And it's no longer duty. They're from verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him that way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Romans chapter five, I believe it's verse sixteen, there's there's a there's a statement. Well, let me look at my notes here. Oh, you probably have it. Notes are hard for me to follow. Maybe. turn there. Oh, One sixteen. Nope, that's not, that's not the one I'm looking for. Okay, here it is, uh, Romans 5.17. I may not have written that down. It says, for by one man's offense, death reigned through one, much more those who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign with Christ. Therefore, verse 18, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. That's a powerful verse. In other words, it's saying through the man Adam came judgment, came condemnation. In other words, that that word means there was an, an adverse sentence against us. It's a, it's a judicial term. It's a term that says, through Adam we all received a verdict of guilty. Through and we can't really blame Adam and Eve. How many if they wouldn't have eaten the apple, I probably would have, right? You know, so it's like it's like through Adam we all inherited sin. Through Adam we all had a verdict of condemnation upon us. But then it says, in the same way that sin came upon all through Adam, in the same way through the second Adam, through Jesus Christ, came righteousness. And that's a declaration of innocence. That through faith in Jesus Christ, it actually says it's an acquittal. It means that you're brought before the trial, you're brought before the judgment seat, and the verdict is not guilty. That's powerful. How reconciled are you in Christ Jesus through faith? Through faith, through believing. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. See, what do you see when you look at your brothers and sisters? What do you see when you look at people? You see their failed side of them? Or do you see who Jesus sees in them? We don't know. I don't want to know people's flesh. I want to know the Spirit of God in them. I want to see who Jesus says they are. I want to understand the glory of God in, in everybody that I look at. It doesn't take a prophetic set of eyes to see the crap in people. But it takes the Spirit of God to see that old things have passed away, all things are new, that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. How reconciled are you this, today sitting here? Reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. How many still struggle with stuff of the past, failures of the past? This past, Scripture gives you permission. Of course, there's repentance and there's turning and there's asking forgiveness. There's all those things. We we don't just run amok with sin. That's not it. The thing that is, I know that there are times where you have asked forgiveness and asked forgiveness and asked forgiveness and the guilt and the shame is still there. Well, that's where you have to stand on the word of God that says old things have passed away. I now stand with a declaration of innocence on my life. I've shared before a vision that I had one day that I was standing right here praying on a weekday, and the sanctuary became a marbled judgment hall. You've heard this one, too, a few times, sweetheart. Became a marbled judgment hall, and I mean, you know, it was pretty cool. And through those back doors, two guards had a man in ball and chains He was a prisoner. He walked through those doors, stood right back there. And as I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, this guy's guilty, you know. I heard a voice behind me just thunder. And it said, innocent. It was this declaration of innocence. And it's like this stunned look of disbelief came on this guy's face. All of his balls, his chains, everything fell off. The guards let go and almost stood at attention with the guy. And then they... Brought the guy and they they ushered him off. I knew that he was going to get some new clothing. Clothing he was going to get out of his uh, prisoner's garments. That was a powerful, powerful vision to me that I've feasted on over many, many years. And I've come to understand that this declaration of innocence is something that is for the believer that there is a declaration of innocence, it's a judicial thing, that you are no longer guilty of that which you were guilty of when it's been brought under the blood of Jesus. Because if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What Jesus was carrying when he came to planet earth was reconciling people to God. They had an idea of what God looked like. He showed them who God was. They had an idea of what a kingdom would look like. He modeled and demonstrated the kingdom of a good king and a good God. And so he healed the sick. He forgave those that were obviously in a heap of trouble. He brought shamelessness to those that were shamed. He cast demons out of people that were prisoners. And Jesus came modeling and demonstrating how God, the true heart of God, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Guess what? Jesus has gone home to heaven. (laughs) And now to us has been given this same ministry. How many like what Jesus did? Do you like that? I love what Jesus did. How many know that he said greater things than these will you do? Because I'm going to the Father. And when there has been a transference of this ministry of reconciliation, we now have the privilege, the opportunity, to model and demonstrate the God of a good kingdom. And all the resources that Jesus had. See, he did the things that he did as a man, I believe. He set aside his godly, he didn't cease being God. God doesn't cease being God. I don't get that. My theology kind of twists my head around. But in my heart, I know this, that he came to model what it was as an Adamite. To preach and to teach of a good God. And to model and demonstrate a kingdom. See, he was just simply walking out the mandate of the garden successfully. What can a man do? What can a woman do who is in right relationship with God? Who really knows that their heart is clean? You know, that's what Jesus was. Well, can I encourage you that by faith, that's you? You don't have to strive for this relationship. Just believe. Now then we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. Be reconciled to God. Be turned back into God. Be made one with God once again. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is staggering. This is another one of those mind benders. Thank you, J. Brian. This is one of those mind benders that, that just kind of, I had to argue with God about this. I, it says right there, it says, he became sin who knew no sin. See, he didn't just die for your sin. He actually became your sin. There was a point in eternal history when the sinless Son of God who had never been separated from His Father, never in all eternity, all of a sudden the blackness of your sin, my sin, came upon Him. The sin of the whole world was became Him. And as His blood poured out, His blood cleansed us and we became the righteousness of God. In him. That's a staggering verse. I I remember arguing with the Lord about it. And it says, God, that's crazy. That—that's I'm not the righteousness of God. I'm as righteous as Jesus. You mean this exchange really took place? I've heard it, but I haven't heard that. See, we've got to hear this. We've got to understand this. And he said, well, Dave, (laughs) he has fun with me. He says, Dave, if you weren't at, you know, how righteous were Adam and Eve before they fell? I thought, well, they were, they were good. They were made perfect. You see, you looked at them, you said they were good, you know, you breathed life into them. They were really, really good. They were perfect. He said, well, if you weren't at least as righteous as them, then how can I, in Hebrews four sixteen, say, 'Let say, let us there come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find help in our time of need? So, Dave, you are now entered into my very presence. You're welcome in my very presence. <laughs> in your time of need, you're welcome into my very presence. How reconciled am I in Christ Jesus? How reconciled are you in Christ Jesus? Where no longer, do we, are we not only not welcome into the Holy of Holies, but the Holy of Holies has now come to us. And that we are now temples of the living God. But I tell you, this is all by faith, it says in Hebrews chapter four, the, uh, the the writer of Hebrews has just talked about how the children of Israel failed to enter into uh, the promised land, and they didn't enter the rest. And he goes on to say, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Let us fear lest we come short of coming into that rest. Can I suggest to you that what I'm preaching right here, this complete reconciliation to the heart of God, is rest. That is the rest that we can come into. It says that they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. They they, they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Because the knowledge of what they were told to do wasn't mixed with faith. So what I want to encourage you with this morning is an impartation of faith. To believe from the heart that these things are so. You've probably heard these things taught. I've heard these things taught. But I tell you, there is an ongoing revelation and an insistence of the Father that he wants you to know what kind of love this is that he has poured out upon you. He wants you to know how welcome you are into his very heart, into his presence. He wants you to know how he will send you the same way he sent Jesus. Jesus said, as I've been sent, so I send you. And he breathed upon the apostles. And he said, now this is it. Whosever sins you forgive will be forgiven. Whosever sins you retain will be retained. That's how Jesus was sent. He was sent to forgive sin. Do you know that you can forgive sin on Christ's behalf? You're sent with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus sent the apostles with. There is an anointing on you by faith. Believe, understand, receive an impartation of faith. How many know that faith is a gift? But it's a gift that God really wants to give. Posture our hearts to believe the unbelievable. See, A lot of us don't want to preach this message out there. We don't want to be the reconcilers because do we really believe it in here? I believe that God wants to impart a deeper level of believing this morning into our hearts. And I'm going to stand first in line. I'm going to elbow the rest of you out of the way. (laughs) Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have reconciled us through the blood of Jesus, the only blood of Jesus, to the heart of the Father. Father, we thank you that you have lavished upon us a love that only an innocent child can know, that only a a child with no shame, with no guilt, with no condemnation can, can stare into the face of his Father. And receive. Father, I pray for an impartation, God, a, a faith to believe this. Lord, not just have the teachings solid, but God, that you would bring a faith into our hearts and into our spirits, what would bring alive the ministry that has now been passed on to us. Lord, that people need to know the Father. People need to see the Father. People need to hear what the Father is speaking, to see what the Father is doing. Lord, I declare over this body that they are reconciled reconcilers. They are those that are carrying the message, as foolish as it may sound, God, that there is a shamelessness concerning the message that would come upon us as believers. Father, I pray that a new wave Of the love of Christ would compel us to reconcile people to you. Holy Spirit, this is your work. We can't do it. We believe, we just simply believe that these are things that you want to do, these are things that are promised. These are things that are in your heart. It's not Dave's good idea here, God. It, it, these are things that are in your heart. So we just open our hearts to receive whatever we need to receive. That the just will live by faith. They'll actually live, they'll actually have a life and not just an existence. So come, Holy Spirit. Seal it in us and seal it upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.